All right, so we've started recording. Uh, Jake is currently in the bathroom reapplying mascara because this is Jubilee Street, a Nick Cave podcast, and every week we talk about a Nick Cave song. This week, mm-hmm. we are doing the weeping song, and Jake was having a good cry. I had a good cry earlier today. Uh, oh, he's back now. Wolf. He's back now. He's sitting down. Uh, Jake, I just did the intro. Yeah, how'd it go? Uh, went well. It looks like you got yourself together. Yeah, you know, uh, this is a Blixa-heavy song this week, so I had to put the mascara on. Shout out, shout out Blixa. Shout out Blixa. Uh-huh. Shout out the weeping song. And then go up into the That's the sound of water. Uh, that's the sound so of the are, ocean. Let me, let me tell I, uh, you this, Jake. All right, all right. Let's br- bring it home. Bring it home. Known this song for about as long as I've known Nick Cave. I think this is a pretty essential track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know until today that Blixa sings half the song. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I just had always thought it was just Nick Cave, like kind of, you know, sometimes he plays characters in his songs. I thought he was just doing two different voices. Blixa yeah. sounds so much like Nick Cave. In the song, uh-huh. barely any action. He does. You remember? Okay, so when I first got into Outcast, if I hadn't have known that Big Boy and Andre Three Thousand were both in that group, I would have just thought it was one rapper because their voices sound so similar at first. Yeah, especially the early material, the early albums. They have songs mm-hmm. where they sound very similar. By the end, they're like clearly definitely doing two different. very different things. But mm-hmm. I totally. I know what you mean with Outcast for sure. Like uh, I didn't actually. I like I. I listened to the um, the live version that they did on the Abattoir Blues tour, which I think is right after Blixa left the band, and Nick before like as they're warming up and Warren's playing uh, the violin uh, to do the melody, he's like, "This one's for Blixa," or "This one's for Blixa Bargeld," or something like that. Um, yeah, this is a heavy song for him. And also, like you said, I think this is one of those songs that's on our uh, Nick Cave mixtape. Like if people were to be like, hey, Ian, Jake, you know, make me a mixtape of like 15 or 20 Nick Cave essentials. This would probably be one of the tracks we throw on there. Not me. Really? Well, we'll get into that. Wow. What are, who are you? Is, this, who's, is that Roger Ebert I'm hearing? Are you arguing with me over here? Am I, <laughs> am I Siskel? You're uh, Statler and I'm Waldorf. Oh, 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 oh. Statler, I hardly know her. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where to begin with this song? I mean, we could just end it at the beginning where you said that, it, you know, it's like this song's been with you forever, but I think that's, I think that's kind of the neat thing about it is it feels very familiar. Um, and really, I'll let you get to your point because I, f- I feel like I cut you off, but I find every time, and I've I've said this on an, on the prior episode that we did on another uh, on the shipping song episode, anything from the good the son, song. The, the shipping, shipping song about UPS. <laughs> That's by uh, who sang the shipping song? Was that uh, like a oh Roland S Howard? His middle Roland his S. middle Howard. name means it, it means shipping. Roland so Shipping Howard. 
Anywho, yeah, I, I find that The Good Son increasingly moves up my list of favorite Nick Cave albums every time I hear we, we do a song from this record. So we, you were going to say something, though. Remember your thought. I don't want you to forget. All I was going to say is last week I, ta- I mentioned, I remember mentioning that Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight music video. Uh-huh, and I uh-huh. just thought it was funny because this music video has a similar vibe with that, like, you know, ocean they're rowing in. It's like very obviously fake, like theater performance. It nice little a throwback, aesthetic. Nice little throwback, Ian. I have to say, we we keep it very, we keep the universe continuity really tight in the uh, Jubilee Street verse. You know, well, we're Blue always we're always double as a continuity assistance. <sighs> well, she called out again today. I was going to tell you about that. So, listeners, if the episode seems uh, more scripted, it's because or less scripted. Who knows? It's because Blue didn't get our scripts in on time. That's right. This is a scripted podcast. Hopefully it seems less scripted because there's no script this week. Well, we had Charlie Kaufman right the last episode, so that's why it was kind of weird. That's why I won an Emmy. That's why it won an Emmy. Podcast uh, Emmy. Podcast. A Pemmy. So, yeah, let's talk about the video. Uh, any initial thoughts? What do, you, what do you think it means to the meaning of the song? I'd never seen it until today. Me either. Me either. I mean, I thought it was a really... It wasn't what I expected because this is like a heavier song mm-hmm. uh, as far as substance goes. And it's a very fun music video. I mm-hmm. loved it. The music video is really, really fun. It there's That era of their music videos are always so tongue-in-cheek and like cheesy. And I'm just like, they have to be having so much fun making this right now. There's just a chemistry that Nick and Vlixa have together. I know. It's beautiful. Like, I think him and Warren probably have a deeper relationship at this point. But him and Blix, like, whenever you watch a live video, they just have this, like, yeah, energy that bounces off each other that's just so fun. And the video captures that really well. It's a great video. There's a... He's a, made so many music videos. Like, every... There's yeah. songs that I didn't even know had music videos. And then we go to do them for the podcast. And it's like, oh, that song also has a music video. Almost every song we do. I feel like before maybe the 2010s hit, even maybe the like pre 2015, musicians put music videos out for like every single they did. And considering how prolific the bad seeds are now, like it's it's no surprise. Like they needed to have something on rotation in uh in Australia. That's true. Like yeah. back pre-internet, you would do four music videos on an album, maybe it was yeah. five. Now, now you do like one. But dude, music videos today, I'm so, I'm not shitting on this one. I'm just saying, it, music videos today are so much better. <laughs> they look better. They sound better. They're more like Some high concept, Mario. depending on the artist. Like, like Flying Lotus has some great music videos. Vince Staples has some good ones. Uh, Denzel Curry, Tyler, the creator, Tierra Whack. You know, like all like I, I mean, even Blood Oranges videos are really good. You know. Um, well, I think now there's so many like. There's NPR Tiny Desk, and there's all these different like live videos. Yeah, that are really well done. So mm-hmm. now I think when people go to make a music video, they take they it more serious. The, they don't want to do the band playing in a room yeah. music video because they already did an NPR Tiny Desk. Yeah. So like you said, they do the high concept more, and I love it. Unless they're like a deathcore band, I feel like there's very few uh, videos now that are just of people being like, you know, like rocking back and forth with their guitar. Um, I love a high concept video. I love a music video where the band's not even in it. And it's just a little, I've already said this on the pod, I think. Yeah. 
Um, man, it's funny that you bring up uh, Smashing Pumpkins. They don't have anything to do with this, but have you watched any of that Woodstock 99 documentary that came out recently? I have I have not, no. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a flaming... They didn't play it, but it, I, I think of them as like a 90s band. That, that whole event was like a flaming piece of trash, like... Is it was I've seen a lot of videos from the Green Day set. And yeah, it's funny. It's horrific, dude. And it's I like the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys played too. Is that right, dude? Everyone played. DMX played there. Like people were. It was like a primarily white audience yelling the N word back at him for his call and response at his show. Like it was a wild a fucking show. show. That's just a rap show. Um, but uh, the reason I bring that up is just that it's interesting to see. It would be interesting to see like. Um, how Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, or even like Eins Jerson did New Balton, would respond to crowds like that, you know? I give that a 7 out of 10. We're going to start rating each other anytime we say that band name. 7 out of 10. All right. Pretty good. We were, we were Pretty both good. Like rocking a, we were both rocking like a 3 out of 10 six months ago. We're working on it. We're, I'm not, I can't say I'm learning any German, but I'm trying to learn how to pronounce things better. Or more better, better. <laughs> I give my use of the word better a three out of ten. Rating myself. Uh, so self-analyzing. I take this song as either a priest in training or someone who believes in God. Doesn't have to be any certain type of someone. It's just a person who's like, why are all these bad things happening to people who are perceived to be innocent, and why? do you choose to let these things happen, God? Mm. And I think what's really interesting is calling a song the weeping song is kind of a bold move because already people are going to judge it. It's like, okay, cool. Am I going to cry during this song? But in similar fashion to like Boatman's Call, I feel like this song's just fun to sing. Like, before we started recording, I listened to the, I was watching the video and I was just like singing along to it. And it's, I think this is really, this is one of those cool moments where they really tap into the sort of sea shanty chant that I think they would continue to do. Like, I think they continue to do these kinds of songs throughout their career. But I think this song almost feels playful, even though it's a song that's kind of about like crying, like how people who you're supposed to look to for solace and forgiveness and like like a sense of welcoming are also people that like suffer. Yeah, sorry, that's just this. This is a deep song. This is touching on deep subjects. My my thoughts are similar. Although I've I've seen the song more as like a tribal feel, like a group of people explaining mm-hmm. the purpose. Like they're like teaching this kid, like this is the purpose of this song. This is a song to grieve. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like what Neil Gaiman was doing at this time in literature mm-hmm. and like Grant Morrison in comics. And I'm sure other people whereas this idea of like when art became meta and it was like these things are symbols for other things. Mm-hmm. Gods are symbols for us not in understanding things. This this song is a symbol for us to cry and grieve something over. Mm-hmm. I think it's all like influenced by Joseph Campbell. I know he was like doing this stuff in the fifties. Yeah, 
but these sort of how art serves a purpose and then everyone realized that and then made art about how art serves a purpose so mm -hmm. i think this is a song about making songs that you cry to mm -hmm. huh so that would make the title even more apt to describe the yeah, nature I think it's a, of it i've always heard it as like it's a song about weeping songs yeah like maybe not this isn't necessarily a song you're supposed to cry to but it yeah. makes you think of songs that make you cry i think that's why it doesn't feel as sad i think that's why it feels kind of funny like it's kind of it's got that birthday party kind of sense of uh sarcasm yeah and that's why this just isn't a song that really clicks with me because like that chorus like you said it has that sea shanty feel it reminds me of like like Sweeney Todd, like a theater swoop, like... I tell you the tale of Sweeney Todd. Yeah, this is the weeping song. Like, yeah. it's this play, and they're, like, explaining to you what's going on. And I feel I don't know, just, you. Yeah. A lot of his music's very theatrical like that, but this toes the line a little bit too much and just doesn't do it for me, really. I, you Which know I, what? Pains, it pains me to say that, because today, when I learned Blake's sings half the song, I was like, yeah. man... Yeah. I want this to be like one of my favorite Nick Cave songs now, but it just isn't. Ian's favorite pastime is throwing Blixa performances under the bus. Man, I, I just threw you under the bus. I'll do it again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Blixa. I, I would love to be in your band. It's okay. It's all right, mate. Is that how he sounds? That's a bad German accent. That's I don't. I, I did. I did like a, a British Australian yeah. hybrid. I think there. Good eye, mate. Bet I, mate. Yeah. No, I didn't mean to belittle the, your response. I thought that was. Um, well said. And belittle me. That's what the people are here for. I didn't even think Shit about the. I think we both kind of seem to view things in a meta textual sense now, especially because we were raised on like playing video games and watching TV and reading comics and everything now is, is, is like even more so a comment, a commentary on everything. So I, I think it's funny that this song almost tries to give you like auditory cues as to like. This is when you should start crying, and this is when and you should start and singing. There's the clapping. The uh huh. It's like this is like, where you clap. It feels very like elementary school, like when you would have to go to music class and you get your first instrument, which is always one of those shitty recorders, and then the teacher's like clapping, like okay, go with the metronome, and you're like, I'm willing to bet Tim Tim Kasher probably is a big fan of this song, because this is like. Precursor yeah. to the ugly organ. This is a song about songs. Uh, I mean, I would argue that that in the entire um, the modern like uh, like what's that record called? Domestica. I would I I would argue that he definitely Domestica had to like at least a couple of Nick Cave songs, if not a couple records, when he was like making Domestica because there's a lot of stuff on that record, and like you said. Um, ugly organ where it's just so self-referential and like, you know, self-aware that it's, it's, that's the most painful aspect of this song is that it's like, no matter how much in like a different sense, like it's like, no matter how much I believe in God, he still does things that upset me and upset the people around me, but I'm still supposed to give him a wholehearted sense of belief so that I go to heaven because I'm deathly terrified of going to hell. And then in the video, you have these two guys. I think they're dressed like priests, but when you look at the book that's in Blix's lap, it's like figures from a different language. So I don't know if they're like 
supposed to be like immigrants or maybe people who are escaping and like try who have been excommunicated or exiled. Um, did you see that top comment on the YouTube video and it was like, why did they delete this scene from the lighthouse? <laughs> oh my God. This is the best lighthouse deleted scene. Oh yeah. That's what it said. Yeah. And okay. So someone said here, uh, Nick and Blixa getting drunk in a boat never failed to cheer me up. It has a thousand and a half likes. That's a lot. I love listening to this and singing along when I'm cleaning my home. Reason being is I call it the sweeping song. It's <laughs> great. Oh, that's good. They um, our job. Do you, this, the like ocean waves in this video were definitely like choreographed, right? Like they weren't actually in the ocean because it looks pretty like much like they're on a set. Is that a real question? Yeah, they're not in the ocean. Okay. I, I, I couldn't really tell uh, because I was like, it's this like looks, fabric or something. It, it looked like, like fabric, and it, so it like added to sort of the silliness of the song. But I wanted to be sure. Like in the Wizard and, of Oz, the tornado I think was just like carpets they were rolling around, and, and, and like it was just some sort of fabric there. You know, to our listeners out there, Ian's trying to make me look stupid because I asked a question about like just to be sure about a video, and Ian doesn't know. Sometimes I don't everything about fabric waves. Sometimes I don't know when you're doing a bit and when you're being serious. <laughs> well, I'm, you can almost you can't really tell. So I, you know, listeners, you know, I understand if you want to side with me, but if you want to believe Ian, that's fine. You know, but I want to write in with. Uh, did you think that was a serious question that Jake posed? Comment below if you think it's a serious question. DM. Share it if you don't. As Anders Holmvik said on. Take your shoes off podcast. Slide into the DMs. Uh, so, I, I do want to say that I, I take I hear the song in a metal way. Oh, I bring up. Let's say I first heard the song in 2010, 2011. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Hold I on, first hold on. It. I'm I'm taking myself back to being in 2010. Okay, I'm ready. You said we grew up with video games. We grew up with so much stuff that was meta. I've already heard so much meta stuff in my life that. It's not as like novel to me as probably hearing this song when it came out. Mm -hmm. So if I heard this song in 1989 or whatever, it probably would have seemed a lot more fresh than it did to me whenever I heard it. I'd already heard so many songs about songs. Hey, do you think there's a better song than this one on The Good Son? Oh, yeah, for sure. What, what the song? song? The Hammer Song, okay. The Ship Song. Ship Song. What else is on Good Son? Fuana Cruz? Fuana Cruz? Fuana Cruz. Meh. Meh. Uh, hold on. I'm looking at the track listing. Lucy. I, I mean, this is probably Sorrow's Child. This is probably one of my least favorite songs on the album. Yeah. Yeah. I was sad to say I didn't enjoy it as much as the Hammer song or uh, the Ship song. Um, I think the Hammer song is one of the most underrated Nick Cave songs. But... I do really like this song, and I stand by, like, I would pr probably throw this on a mixtape for somebody. For who? For somebody who's, like, trying to get into Nick Cave, I would throw this song on there. Who are you picturing in your head? Um, probably, like, someone wearing, like, a leather jacket. Um, My answer is Smithers from The Simpsons. I don't know why. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, could you perhaps bring me a Nick Cave mixtape? Mixtape. Excellent. Do you remember? I was just thinking about that uh, episode where everyone's booing him, and he's like, 
They're not booing you. They're saying boo urns. Boo urns. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of that anytime I'm watching like wrestling and someone starts booing somebody. Like they're not booing him. I was watching uh, the Workaholics wrestling episode. It's really funny. Uh, Blake does a character called Eskimofo, and the guy who they took the he they took his um, public access cable time slot from he comes and interviews them and he's mm-hmm. like well there's people in the Inuit community that find that character very offensive and so Blake like he's like I'm not racist so he he's, he he comes up with a new wrestling wrestling identity where he's called the e-racist and <laughs> people keep saying that he's just called a racist it's great um I love in wrestling I love in wrestling I don't know if they actually do this in wrestling but I felt like it seemed like these guys like really like we're into WWE at some point. I like how both Adam and Blake got rid of their characters by them just like the announcer just being like, both Adam and Eskimofo both died, but now presenting Cadam. It's I, I I love it. I wish I was more into yeah, wrestling. I don't think that's a uh, real thing in wrestling. Not very often, okay. at least. Yeah, I feel like the writers would probably deaths. like have a better excuse than like a character dying like randomly in between matches. Anyway, it is funny to see. It's kind of the same in like comic books when like a character dies and uh-huh. like figure out some dumb way to bring him back. Mm-hmm. It is funny in wrestling when like someone gets a new gimmick and they have to find some bullshit way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, back to the weeping song. Uh, Jake, this is going to be bad uh, audio podcast content. So why? I apologize. Did you fart right where your head's at? No, right where your head's at right now, there's an abstract painting behind Jake. The part that is showing right now, right with your head covering a lot of it, it looks like a penguin with sunglasses wearing a Mario hat. That's really cool. To the people listening, this is... I can only see a little sliver of the painting. When I can see the whole painting, I don't see it anymore. I see like a rabbit wearing sunglasses. I'm sure that was very interesting for everyone to hear. Yes. Uh, for all those people who came to listen to a podcast about Nick Cave, you were sort of mistaken. This is the audio painting description hour. I am Jake Curtis here with Ian. So both times I saw Nick Cave, he did this song. So I think the song is a favorite of his. Or maybe he just plays it because he knows people like it. I don't know. But that's even more interesting to me, knowing now that Blix sings half the song. Because live, you could never tell. He just does both the voices. Yeah, I thought it was cool that they, in like newer set lists, they were still playing it, especially like hearing Warren play the violin on um, a later version they did on the Abattoir Blues live record. Because I feel like Warren kind of gets to like be put in the place of that kind of emotional, like friendshipy kind of energy that Nick and Blixa clearly had on this song. Um, Another cool thing about this song is uh, we get a little bit of Kid Congo Powers action. Yeah, so this would be this would have been him and Blixa together. Right? That's the good son. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. I loved the vibraphone. We say it every time, but there's so little guitar in this album. I love the vibraphone on this record, and um, I feel like the only thing I wish this song had was like a gong at some point. Like it'd be cool if. As they come into the chorus, they're like, this is the weeping. And like the gong comes Ooh. in. You, you know? should put out 
You should put out the Gabriel Ha remix of the song. <laughs> All you do is adding ga, a gong on the chorus one time. I Well, I take the like, word song out and I just do a, the sound of a gong. Yeah. But then you're like, this is my remix of the song. And that's it. <laughs> I get like a million re- replays. Uh, also, it looks like on the UK and the US C- CD singles, that uh, cover of Helpless came out. Oh, on the single for this song? Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure we probably talked about that on that episode, but I did not, I didn't remember that at least. That's yeah, cool. I thought it was neat too. I try to bring, even if, even if people have already heard it, like I try to, this is always someone's first listening experience. So I'd rather like repeat myself. I'd rather repeat myself from time to time. Yeah. I think there's, I, I really, really liked what you said about this being a song about like sad songs, basically it, it has this, dare I say, like, it's, they were probably working on this record in the late 80s, but this song came out in 1999, which I feel like is important to the context. 1990, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, uh, everybody, I, uh, had a, I didn't sleep long enough last night, so I'm a little off, so give me a fucking break, all right? 1990. And I feel like, there was a huge wave of like bands that were making songs like this in the nineties. Right. Like, I just feel like, like everything was so not serious. Like people just like, there was like this wave of like, it was like, they were trying to emulate like whatever the sixties and seventies were for music, but it's not like the music was bad. I just felt like it was so silly at times. And this song, I think sometimes feels silly. Do you, do you, do you agree? What do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is a deep topic, so with not having much time to put a lot of thought into it, I think in the 90s, you saw a lot of people move away from being earnest in different ways. Yeah. So that might be, that might mean being meta, that might mean being silly, it might mean like grunge, like just being kind of apathetic. Yeah. But I think you saw people didn't want to have their heart on their, heart on the strings, like Mm -hmm. they wanted to kind of go in at with some sort of different angle and not just be earnest. Now, I could be it's totally... A good point. I never really thought of it in those terms, but I definitely think that's like one of the biggest common threads in 90s music. I could be totally off base here, so I'm just kind of picking up some little idea threads I had while you know taking in the song overall. But I feel like... This song in particular, but The Good Son in general, is pretty Mm -hmm. akin to records that would come out near the time that this one did. And I'm thinking of like Dookie by Green Day, basically every Nirvana record they put out, because I think most of their records came out early 90s. In what way? Uh, and 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 the last band I'll name drop is uh our two last two bands I'll name drop are like the Silver Juice and Jawbreaker, where I feel like these were bands that were all pretty emotional bands and took their music really seriously. But, you know, Kurt Cobain had a real sense of humor and, like, self-deprecation to him. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. And I think Sonic that... Sonic Youth Goo as well, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I do believe that, like, because cynicism is, like, so packed into a lot of the tone and themes that... Nick and the Bad Seats put together on this record and and records going forward. It's 
I think that this song in general and, and, and this and this record is really important to this era of music. I, I find that it's probably more influential than even I know. There's a tone to it that I, I, I think just feels so of the time. Yeah, definitely with the Silver Jews scene. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure the Nick Cave scene was influencing them and vice versa. I mean, we even saw that on the... Dirty Three episode, how mm-hmm. the other two members of the Dirty Three played with Bonnie Prince Billy and Smog and all those bands. Yeah, there's so much cross pollination in music at this point, and going forward, you know, it just starts to get like the waters just start to get muddy um, with like how many different hands are in different pots, and so to speak. So, um, I didn't even especially because a lot of these bands all oper- all like occupied a weird scene. They weren't. Mm-hmm quite punk they definitely weren't radio rock yeah indie rock wasn't really like the thing it would become yet so they they were all just kind of misfits that i think banded together it's incredible that blixa was making a completely different type of music in his other band and then he would do a song like this and I, i i i feel like this is like what would happen if you and i got together and like wrote a song again together like it would sound like this but separately my music and your music would sound a bit different from that you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah I for sure there's a really cool this isn't a song mixing of styles yeah this isn't a song blixa would write on his own mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. yeah if, if you join a band with someone you're probably not going to write the kind of music you'd write on your own because you take into consideration the other person mm-hmm uh, how about Blix's haircut in this video, huh? You like that? I don't know. It, it, it is, uh, how to say this. I feel like most times you see Blixa, he would still look cool today, but that haircut's very, like, doesn't look current, like, very aged. And also, what bands could you think of at this period of time were wearing, like, suits and ties in their music videos? Like, there's a record by that band, The Hives, that this immediately made me, made me think of, but I can't think of a lot of bands that did videos like dressed like this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Probably some like remnants of the new wave scene, but oh you know, yeah, wasn't, you know, yeah. it definitely was a it was a choice, you know. Mm-hmm. It this is, is that's right. Yeah, this is right when grunge was about to take off, and mm-hmm. none of those bands would be wearing a suit. And then this record comes out, and then, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I think Henry's Dream came out after this one, right? Henry's Dream, yeah. Yeah, it was 92. Let Love In. And then Let Love In, but I don't think it got, like, super heavy until Let Love In. Like, I don't think that... Like, I don't think there's a lot of songs on this record that are super heavy. And then, you know, they had songs like Loverman and Red Right Hand and... um, I, even Jangling Jack, which is you know not one of either of our favorite tracks, but it's still it's a it's a decent song. I feel like you know I'm curious what Nick and the guys were listening to when they were making those records because the sound definitely is different. You know, three years later, which obviously you should change as a band. You know, that's a good thing. It makes you more interesting. But um, yeah, '90s cool time to be alive. I was born in '91. And they also recorded this album in Brazil, as we've said on other episodes, but I'm sure that, you know, this, this, doesn't, this album doesn't immediately make you think 
of South America by any means, but obviously that had to have some sort of effect. I've listened to like a little bit of music from Brazil and I'd like I, what's I, what's the what's the word there's like a genre for like Brazilian pop and I can't remember what it's I think called. it's called Tropicalia. But I could be is? wrong. Okay, that, that was I kept wanting to say Calypso and that's not it at all. Um Tropicalia might be or Tropicalia might be more of a Central American hybrid with mm. South America. So listeners But a similar feel you know, from sorry. what I understand. Yeah. Our band we used to be in, me and Jake, we played our first show with a band from Brazil, kinda of like an indie pop band, and it was awesome. I didn't get to play that show, but I was there. It was a great show. Oh, that's right. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in but the yeah, band that yet. Was, that's okay. That that band was so cool. I forget they. Oh, God, what were they called? And it was two words. It was in you know Portuguese. I don't remember though. I have the flyer somewhere in my storage. I'll have to figure. I'll have to take a look. Um, yeah, but um, I think that's all I had to say about the weeping song. Um, I think it's a you know solid, decent sea shanty beer chant and i think it'd be awesome to see the song live yeah you know if anyone wants a playlist i'll throw this song on there for you for sure yo burn you a cd burn you a cd record a tape if if i can find a computer with a cd drive i will will press a vinyl record for you i'll press a vinyl record i'll put my i'll put the i'll put my blood in the grooves of that record so you will always have a part of me with you that's for the death metal spinoff. Death metal. So yeah, that's all I had too. Thanks everybody for listening. We have been talking about this for a while. And Jake, I think it's okay to bring it up now. I think we're going to start expanding Jubilee Street here in the future. Mm-hmm. We're going to start doing... We're going to keep the Nick Cave stuff coming. But we're going to start doing just some music. What the? I don't know what the word is. Commentary on some other stuff, on some other artist. If you want to check that stuff out too, great. If not, we will keep the Nick Cave stuff rolling, so don't worry. We're, we did, I feel like we learned a lot the last year plus doing this podcast together. And I think that. Yeah. What people like, what they don't like. And even like what we like talking about and how we like to talk yeah. with each other. So the rollout will probably be a little bit like. It'll be bumpy at first. We're just going to try a couple things out. We might create a new name for this. I don't know. Like We'll, we'll figure out if we're going to keep it under the Jubilee Street name. But you know, not every episode going forward may always be centered on like bad seed stuff. But we think if you're listening still and you like us, then you might you know, be interested in supporting like episodes where we're talking about you know, not necessarily more current music but music that you know we might just talk about some different kinds of stuff uh to see what kinds of conversations and ideas that we can get out about so it's still pretty new and we're working on ideas but i'm pretty excited i i think i mean at the, i don't see any end in sight for this podcast we both really enjoy nick's music and everybody else adjacent to him and um, we'll still keep talking about it, but there might be... For sure. I think uh, the big thing with us was almost every song we do is a great song. And yeah. I'm like, this is a great song. It was so well written. And then Jake's like, this is a great song. It was so well written. Yeah. So I think we're going to start delving into some stuff that maybe we disagree on a little more. 
spice it up a little. And that's why we like to do, like I do a lot of bits and I make a lot of jokes, some that are funny, some that I might just between, be between me and Ian or maybe just between me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That's kind of joke. And I, 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 I find that a lot of the podcasts that I enjoy listening to are always the ones that have, you know, a little bit of weirdness, a little bit of like awkwardness, like people, like we're not, we try to bring up things that are kind of weird and, you know, we, so anyway, I'll, I'll keep rambling, but we appreciate all you people that have been listening to us for this long and, um, we're excited to bring some new music to the table to talk about and get a, get a rollout, a rollout going, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, we'll be back next week. You can Reach us on Instagram at Jubilee Street Pod. You can email us at jubileestreetpod at gmail.com. Get in touch with us. If you got anything you want to get off your chest, you don't even have to be about Nick Cave. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Tell me whatever. I don't care. And if you like the podcast, uh, it would mean a lot to both of us if you left us a review and a five star rating. If you don't like the podcast, don't leave a rating and just go listen to something else if you don't like it. <laughs> uh, but. Even if you're just listening to Hate Listen, you're welcome to stick around too. And with that, we will be back next week. That's my mama. This is a song. This song.